I guess I'll introduce myself while we're waiting for Paul. Um, my name's Robin. I do the uh, Ink Studs radio show out of Vancouver. Um, may have not heard of me, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, doing the show for five years, focus is interviewing cartoonists, uh, talking about their work. And so uh, Chris asked me about doing like an Ink Studs type thing as a panel, and I thought, well, I'd really love to, to get Dash and Paul together on stage and kind of just talk about influence, talk about what drives them, other cartoonists, where they come from with their own cartooning, and just see, because they both, they're very different stylistically, but I also see a lot of similarities in uh, thematic, maybe? Is that a good way of putting it, Dash? Um, yeah, I think, well, when, when I was, uh, uh, when I was growing up, I, you know, I, I kind of caught that wave when THB was coming out, like 1994, 95, I don't know if the people here are like in the mm. same, same group. <laughs> it was super inspiring, uh, for a lot of reasons. I like the pace of it. I love the, uh, I love the original, um, that stretch where he was just like, he was just doing it. He was inventing his own fonts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> no fun the, uh, the, uh, like he would just like get like a watercolor brush and use that for like six pages, and then and then wouldn't do it anymore. Or he'd just like pencil a, a scene and then wouldn't ink it and just send it to the printers. Um, it was really, uh, it was really awesome. And then when the, and then like he, he got oh, you see, we can stop talking about. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about you, Paul. I'm sorry. It's all nice. For some reason, I thought this place would be right across the street in the library. What? But I got this awesome program. There we go. I heard there's a nice poster in there. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Actually, let's do Oh, yes. Nice. So is this a, a page from Battling Boy? It is a compi- Like Technically, I'm not supposed to release any pages from Battling Boy. But it is. So it's no, it's a composite. Yeah, it's a composite <laughs> of two pages. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a book. It's a book going to be that big. I wish. <laughs> It'd be nice. Like those lovely uh, Sunday collections. Um, I'll introduce myself to you. I'm Robin. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Uh, I was just telling folks um, kind of the idea behind the panel of kind of discussing influences, interests and comics and folks we love. So I got some, a handful of slides, not a lot of stuff, okay. just a couple of things to kind of bounce off. Um, I think, ready? Yeah. Ready, Dash? Okay, I'm going to, first thing, um, and it's an oldie from you, Paul, since we're talking about comics, comics longa? Uh, yeah, life, life is brief, art is long. So, you know, sort of like bastardized Latin, uh, comics Latin. <laughs> my uh, my Latin's very uh, ill and unlearned. Um, this appeared, I guess, what, like 10, 15 years ago? Uh, I think I, well, let's see, the date's probably on. I did it in 99, I think. Oh, okay, there we go. It was a very good year, work-wise. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to... Uh, Make a manifesto, like a literal manifesto. Now I'm curious, um, who's the HH? You got Donald That's Duck, you got Mickey Mouse, and you got yourself. Does anybody know who that is? Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, 1920s Disney, didn't quite make it past 1930. No, it's uh, Horace Horse Collar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And PP, obviously. 1920s Disney okay. character. There we go. That's a good start. So you're, you're, I mean, basically your whole life has been in print, recorded. You know, is that is that awesome or is that embarrassing? Like when you bring something page like this? No, but I'm, I'm like proud a, of this page. I'm like early, early THB, do you not like, you don't like to look at it anymore? Or? Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to look at your early stuff because uh, all you can see is the mistakes. That's actually I don't I don't really read a lot of comics for that same reason you know it, it's painful it's mm -hmm. like uh, dissonance you know 
although I love what I love, so. And I'm, of course, I'm open and gregarious toward new comics. That's the reason I made this thing. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, do you wish you hadn't self-published those things earlier, or do you, or no. you, you wish you, I, I wouldn't you're glad you did? No, because I, I have a, uh, I have a really strong, um, like, a, a, how do you put this? I don't know, just, just the will to, uh, like, leave a dot. This is the thing every artist has, right? It's like just the desire to leave a, a document. Uh-huh. Because who, who could say, you know, 24 years old, you know, you get hit by a car and that's the end of it. And then you at least did something, you know. Mm-hmm. You created something, you made something. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seth Fisher's an example of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, thank God we got the comics we do. Yeah. Um, one of the big interests I had uh, bringing both of you together, I was saying earlier, is the whole idea of uh, influence and um, some of the shared influence. So one of the things I got together was uh, some comparative pages um, of work you've done and compared it with, I guess, a source. Okay, great. Um, this is exciting. <laughs> oh, neat. I hadn't considered that. Uh, I guess it is a mother box, isn't it? That's, that's, that was my thought. That was, the, that was from... It's an uh, iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> an iBox. There we go. Uh, well ahead of its time, I guess, then, for the... That was from Heavy Liquid, I think? No, it's 100%. 100%? I always get... I miss things. Um, that, uh, he has one where you where you, you covered the OMAX story. Uh, yes. Yeah. Do you have something to say about this? Oh, yeah. Tell me about that OMAX story, because you followed that up in the um, solo. Well, um, Dave Stewart colored this, and I generally love his coloring. I think he's top three, along with Mr. Villarubia and maybe... I'd have to say Christoph Blend probably is one of my favorite colorists mm-hmm. in comics. However, this story, I'm, I'm extremely disappointed with the coloring because Mark Chiarello said, make it glam for some reason. And I think the colors are really garish. So that's my main complaint. <laughs> However, this image to me uh, is haunting and uh, it's obsessive because I saw this when I was a kid in uh, like a, a cousin's bedroom, he had a copy of this. I was like, you know, obsessed. Every time we go over to their house, I'd look at it. And it's just, if you really think about that image, it's really horrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to think about it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that was published in mainstream comics. You know, this. I don't know if you. I, don't, I think if you bring that in today, I don't know if you'd get away with it. It's uh, Kirby uh, doing whatever he wants. Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like Frog Woman. Like you and Kirby and like. Um, these guys who draw where everything's made out of the same material, mm. you know, mm. like all like the and uh, let's say Charles Burns too, where mm. like a tree the is made out of the same material as someone's hair, yeah. and skin. Yeah. Now, do you think like that material or this this thing, this style that you've created, <laughs> is for all aspects of your personality, or do you just do your comics for one part? And then there are parts of yourself that you don't put into comics. Because like, like, like Chris Ware, he's never going to do a sexy comic, you know? But, he's probably, but, he, but I'm sure there are times when he feels really sexy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you feel like there are parts of your life that you decide this isn't for comics? And when I'm in the comics zone, I want to do this material? I, I, well, this thing Psychonaut I'm working on for uh, Dargo in France is pretty personal and it's actually been very difficult to work on because it's a lot of projections of sex and death and um, it's taking a long time to get done. Luckily they're very patient. But uh, I think I actually ha- I have a page from it. Oh good, great. It was posted online um, and I kind of compared it with something else. Oh yeah, some I, I don't know how this got out. This is amazing. The Cordo Maltese page. He appears in two of my dreams. Literally, <laughs> Batman and Cordo Maltese and Rasputin from Cordo Maltese have appeared in my dreams in different Aspects and we got permit. Well, Batman, we don't have permission to use, so I'm using uh, the Batmobile, which appeared in a dream as well. Uh, so, in these dream comics, you, you feel like it's covering a lot of different. Uh, it's, I'm trying. Uh, the, let's see, to, to your question is uh, interesting, and I think that to use comics as a revelatory device, maybe is what you're saying, like... Well, just like, like Jaime Hernandez, you know, he can, do a, he can do a lot of different kind of materials or things inside of the same drawings. Yeah. 
and then like for me I feel like I, I need to change the drawings to, to go into a different area or I like pick specific kinds of drawings but like you Kirby yeah the, uh, Charles Burns do you I, I mean do you do you decide like I have an idea for something but this isn't a comic idea or when you're at the drawing board you always want to be in a in this zone I that's it's an interesting question I, I wonder if maybe it might be a matter of approach because it seems to me you could be as an artist really beyond comics even you, you could be in analytical you could have an analytical approach to the work or an intuitive approach to the work and I think that when I begin to work I, I don't I, I, I am analytical about the idea but in terms of execution I don't think too much about uh, differences of surface you know so like to draw wood or a fabric of material I don't I don't think too much because that's like the speaking style if you, if mm -hmm. you will and I, I think uh, I, I I tend to I but think it carries over to the subject matter too. Absolutely, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, because your style has got to be the framework to, through which you see the meaning of the the picture, like the depiction, if you will. You know what I mean? Uh huh. So I I mean I like working in color, and I'm I'm pretty happy with this poster. I think there's some new for me it's some new things color wise going into it. Is it which way that? Um, colored it again, or mm -hmm. colored? Was it no, no, color? I colored it. Oh, you colored stuff. Yeah, that's interesting because I going, I went through a lot of your stuff, and I don't think I could find anything that you like written down as coloring yourself. It was all yeah, no, not until um, well, I, I gradually getting in. Like solo felt like the first big thing mm -hmm. I did in color. I mean, I did more before that, but you know, where I really collaborated with Jose, and you know, like I, I really believe in collaboration. So if, if I'm working with um, a designer or a, a colorist, if you will, whatever, yeah. a writer. I like to really sort of generously approach the, the thing as a garden and each person has half of it. And, you know, because you get so many interesting, like, strange hybrids that way. Collaborations are really, that's one of the reasons I put this stuff up because I feel like, in one way, you're, you know, you're a cartoonist, you write and draw yourself. But in another way, I feel like you're kind of collaborating with these past cartoonists. Oh, yeah. Speaking, quoting them, I guess. Is Especially in how you, how vocal you are talking about influences and in other cartoonists mm -hmm. in your self-published works. Mm -hmm. uh, did you ever have you ever thought about taking an active role in in reprinting, like like Seth and uh, Chris Ware have, and kind of picking a project and like which project like would Cordo. you pick and how would you design it, or have you thought about this? I I, I have actually. Um, two artists one is uh, there have been a number of attempts to relaunch Cordo Maltese in English and I've been involved in them in different ways uh, I don't want to say who's, who it's with um, I am writing an introduction for the second volume of um, Caponese that Fanographics mm -hmm. is doing I think Roy Crane is not only a huge influence on me he's an amazing cartoonist who really hasn't had his day um, I think he wrote a blueprint for an adventure comic that n never quite got acknowledged, but I mean, Indiana Jones and Terry and the Pirates, all this stuff comes from Roy Crane. And, um, oh, then also, uh, I did try to get um, Attilo Michelucci published in English, but the uh, republication rights were exorbitantly expensive, even for Italians. <laughs> uh, that's something I'm really fascinated by is kind of understanding. And this is something we, we did a panel last year and was kind of looking at the narrative traditions and kind of understanding where you see someone like um, Roy Crane going to Milton Kniff, going to Alex Tove, going to David Mazzucelli, yeah. and then it's going to you guys. Mm. Oh, to him. And, yeah. You've got some Maz in you. No, no, I mean him, but, but, okay. You seem more like a formalist. Like, you're, the way you do your comics, you're... Um, uh, how do you say this? You're like you're you're approaching the idea, and then finding, like the the, the frame, the proper frame to uh, get the idea across. Because like your your stuff has a lot of switching of style, you know. Well, I think it comes from the question I asked you about earlier, where um, I feel like like the kind of things that I like are always kind of like juxtapositions or kind of juggling images, like David Sally, or you know, people people where the, the space is created between two different things against each other. Mm -hmm. And then this third thing that they create is, is super exciting. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but for, I mean, I don't know. 
I feel like it's all really in, in, intuitive and and enjoyable. Formalism sounds like academic to rigid. me, something <laughs> rigid or. Um, I mean, approaching I mean, a lot of these, a lot like Body World is done like on a you know self-imposed schedule, just kind of enjoying myself producing this thing. Yeah, but Body World, um, I mean, you're doing things in there incredibly difficult things to draw. Um, the whole psychic connection thing where you see the people's consciousness going into it. And that, that isn't straightforward. That's, to me, the very kind of formalistic technique as far as really breaking through. Yeah, I think we're, we're just talking in like kind of semantics of But, you know, you have that, you, you're trying to ex like express how this telepathy would work and so you're coming up with a way to draw it, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. that'd, be, so, that'd be tough to draw. Do you have uh, any other ideas that you thought about working through that kind of idea, um, like other ways of approaching it before getting to what you eventually got to? Do you mean in in the drawings? Yeah, in, in like in your preparatory drawing. Yeah, I tried a lot. Yeah, for sure. But a lot of it, I mean, it kind of, it, it comes down to, um, you know, intuition of, of, of it, this, of explaining this thing. I don't know, I, you know, I use what I know and the feelings that I've had of, you know, what could be considered mild telepathy, where like you have a sense that someone's upset and you know that without them saying anything to you. Um, so you try to communicate, you know, it's like drawing things that can't be drawn. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with solutions. That's what's exciting about it. Drawing, yeah, can't, uh, trying to express not expressible things. <laughs> doomed, you're doomed to fail right at the, right before you start. <laughs> it's interesting because you're talking about depicting an idea versus depicting a composition which would be something you see like you know the, the glass on the table and the microphone you yeah know, but concept. they're still in rooms yeah yeah they're still in spaces i find those things i mean that's the that's like the meat of a novel i think you know the psychological stuff and you know like in in battling boy there's a theme that goes throughout it and it's kind of a pain in the ass because it's it takes a long time to get like as as the uh, "Quote unquote objective author to step back from it and mm -hmm. say, this is the, this is what I'm really trying to say with this. Like it's it's cool to make comics and it's fun. And it's neat to draw violence and action, but what am I really trying to say with this? And it's like the 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 um, unspoken thing that comes across in the work, the third voice, as you say. Sometimes those do take a long time to you know get out, as opposed to like a composition. You know, you mm -hmm. paint that really fast. You know, or draw it." Wow, it looks like a glass. That's amazing. <laughs> One thing I'm really curious um, with both of you kind of getting to where you are today as cartoonists is some of the influences in the past that have gotten you into where you are. I mean, you, you went to school for fine art, right? Mm -hmm. um, what was your specialty there? Uh, studio and um, artistry. Artistry. Um, the Ballad of uh, Dr. Richardson, mm. is that kind of a reflect, like a... Yeah, that's pretty much like an art school kid. <laughs> well, I, I, I was really fascinated by um, just the representation of the of the, doc, of the prof in it, yeah, and yeah. Just, it felt like a response to... It was a, he's a real guy. Yeah. So I just had this, like, reverie one day, like, knowing this guy, his name was Richardson, I got his permission to use his name in the book, and, you know, it, it, it's, of course, it's all imaginary, but... I wanted to do this sort of Aristotelian, like three-act thing, like you know, it's like all takes place in one time period. You know, and, like you get first, second, third, and it happens, you know, twelve hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you know. Um, now, Dad, what was you went to SVA, right? Yeah. What was your uh, cartooning illustration? Cartooning illustration. Now, do you guys feel? How do you feel your education impacted? into your art, do you think it is really important to do that education? And what are some of those strengths you can learn from that? Yeah, I think, uh, I, think, uh, I think there's a lot of different ways that people, you know, deal with having an art education, you know? I think I, I feel like I went through all, a lot of the different stages where, you, like, you don't want to be there or you feel like you're not learning anything and you hate it and you want to leave. 
spent a lot of time in that stage. And then feeling like it just wasn't like a romantic, you know, all these artists now come out of art school, and it's just not a romantic story for an artist to have. And so you can maybe cling to things that, like, like Basquiat or something, you know, this kind of untrained, wild style where where you're not inside of this boring academic language, and then you make, and then you swing too far that way. And so I did a lot of you know comics like Unclothed Man and these things that um, were trying to directly deal with art school and fess up to it maybe or. I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I I liked. I'm using the term formalist or formalism, uh, formal a lot. I I think uh, the value I saw from art school was learning the the, the basics, the fundamentals of of the classic humanist approach to art from back to Da Vinci and you know earlier artists and you know learning contour drawing and you know composition and you know contrast and you know learning different tools and even though a lot of that stuff, probably 80% of it, I don't apply in my professional career, I'm, I still feel like that's, you know, it's like you, you sort of like know the, the, the map, mm-hmm. or at least have an awareness of like the, the uh, unexplored territories beyond the map. And I think the, the best thing I learned from art school was process, where you learned like individually, like how you want to work, what you're trying to say, what your idiom is. Um, and your preferred medium, probably. I feel like I learned the most from uh, from figure drawing classes. Yeah, me and too. And doing that so much. Sense of weight. So, so involved in that for years and years and years. Yeah. And then both of you, um, following your school, like you did the Kodansha um, time, oh. five years there. It was like Conan doing the, the wheel going around. <laughs> 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 Rom. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you, Dash, you're hanging out with the Meat House Boys. How did that inform you as a as a cartoonist, like kind of developing style and kind of working at it? I was with the Meat House guys freshman year, and then they all left, and I had just moved to um, New York from Richmond, and so they were the first people I met in New York. And they they were all older and were just graduating as I was leaving. Um, so I definitely learned a lot from those guys. They knew a ton about comics. They could talk your ear off about all different kinds of comics. Mm-hmm. And they were all super, uh, like, cool, like, socially people, you know? They weren't, like... Because in Richmond, Virginia, if you were into comics, you're, like, you had your choice of two friends. <laughs> so they actually seemed like, oh, like, these are cartoonists who, like, who have things to do with their time. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but also, um, that experience was kind of damaging, I think, because I felt like such a tag along to those guys, and and uh, and also um, it was so illustration oriented, mm-hmm. um, and it's so much of it because they were just like getting out of there. There was so much business stuff, like get like some like find like talking to an editor or something. And, it's just a bummer to hear about that. You want like some other, some other kind of option. You don't have to email people. If only. If only. Um, now, both of you in your own comics have uh, kind of it's futuristic. What is your vision of the future? You know, it's funny you said. I was just thinking about this before coming over today. That my science fiction vision is the way I see the world. Yeah. To me, it's not science fiction. So. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Well, I didn't say science fiction, did I? Oh no, but <laughs> I mean, well, future. the future, the yeah. future, you know, projections of uh, you know, civics and uh, technologies. To me, the future, probably doomsday. <laughs> I was gonna ask going to ask if you're hopeful, but I guess I think. Not, well, I don't have a child yet. I'm turning forty in a couple of months. There's probably a connection there somewhere. I think, especially right now. You know, we're always you? living on. Ever since 1945, we're living at the verge of the end of the world, and I think that this really encourages uh, radicals and extremists, and mm-hmm. it's very unfortunate. I think that those of us who care about uh, freedom and about free thought really need to continue to do serious work and you know project those things that really matter, and th- that goes way beyond comics to me. 
Yeah. That was your viewpoint in the world. Yeah. Now, Dash, you gave me. Should I put up mm -hmm. the Spider Man stuff? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. This, this is, is a page from the upcoming Strange Tales story. It's That's about cool. I haven't seen that before. That's awesome. Thanks, so Paul. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, do you want me to just yeah, cycle through the pages? Sorry, oh. guys. Sorry. Excuse me. Pinball is the one I use. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have one you want to ask. Well, it's uh, you said it was kind of like covering Ditko, right? Well, this sequence where he goes into the mist, the second page, um, you know, I just be, I tried to kind of just copy what he wrote. Right? It, just try to, you know, an energy and the... One thing I, I was thinking a lot um, with the two of you, it's, I feel like you, Paul, you're kind of channeling Kirby. In a lot of ways, uh, Dash is channeling Ditko. Mm. Um, with the more stripped down work. I don't know. Are you okay with me saying that, Dash? Ah, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stop people now. <laughs> is, is Ditko a particular interest of you? Like, you did the, the yeah, Doctor like, Strange story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did the, for, for the first Strange Tales, I did Doctor Strange story. I just, you know, I think like a lot of the um, mainstream comics is. I just, uh, I, I want to hear what Paul has to say about this, actually. I just thought of it as like, I'm going to try to do fan art, you know, like, of the character, and just be free, and doing fan art is freeing, because you're just, you know, it, it's, it's like le less pretentious, I guess, and you're just kind of like, I like Doctor Strange, I like those Ditko comics, I just <laughs> want to, you know, do this thing that's kind of like it. Um, but what about, I mean, what do you get out of this, all of this mainstream work that you're doing, compared to your... Independent comics. The, the thing that's special about Ditko and Kirby in particular, I think probably for some reason they rise to the top of the. Food but I want to hear what you you get out of. Oh it. yeah, no, no, I, I'll, I'll answer. But I just want to say that uh, to me, Ditko and Kirby are grotesque cartoonists, and I appreciate that because when you look at their work, it's not like um, Alex Raymond or you know someone yeah. trying to make like a pretty picture, you know. They're actually cartooning like an evil person, or you know. Right. I thought that was the smartest thing said on that superhero panel in Mocha that you. Oh yeah. Not yeah. I'm, I'm quoting myself. It's worth repeating. It's my honest opinion. It's a good point too, because I feel like a lot of uh, superhero comics now are trying to be like sexy in some kind of sleazy way. I think they they're, they're a little too like they're too cookie cutter, like realistic, like in some stupid post image, like this is what realism is and. You know, I did this. I mean, a few, a few of the comics are interesting to me. Yeah, the I mean, the women that Kirby drew, you know. Well, they, they, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're so, um, yeah, the grotesque. It's a really good yeah. point. Yeah, I like, I like grotesque cartooning. I also it's, like it's expressive, you know. It's, it's, it gets an idea across to me. Um, for from superhero comics, I like the uninhibited uh, drama of it. You know, I like the. I like the the like someone at a drawing table, and they tra uh, are transported to this place where um, you're kind of living this heightened, dramatized reality. And because in alternative comics, I feel like it's not reality. A lot of alternative comics. It's hard to speak about a lot, but I'll just say these ghost cartoons. I won't name anyone. You know, like, it's not even reality. It's, like, some, like, extra, like, slow version of reality, you know? And then maybe my reality now in my mind is a lot more dramatic and closer to this, um, to superhero comics. Like, if I'm up here at the panel, I'm not going to, like, start crying because I'm so nervous <laughs> because I have to be, like, conform to the rules of this reality, but... In my in my mind, I'm like in superhero reality, <laughs> <laughs> or like if I, if someone's talking to me and I and I don't like them, I'm not allowed to just like punch them in the face. <laughs> but at the drawing board, I can do that, yeah. and I feel like that's really uh, an important thing. And I also was thinking, I was thinking, I came up with a bunch of these questions for you. I have another question, but I still want you to answer the first question. <laughs> uh, the fashion, too. Fashion feels like an uninhibited place. The kind of poses in fashion magazines, my way of 
um, wrapping my head around that is it's like that world too where it, where you know these poses are like superhero comics hmm. I that mean, the, the, the reality of fashion is there's never enough budget to do what you really <laughs> want to do <laughs> I don't know I don't know about that it's a Sisyphus walk you know what I mean yeah but um, the, the, I don't know what you were talking about oh just the, the but I mean like literally like the like with DKNY, the the proposal I had when I went in was, they were like, "You're you're gonna break the budget. This is more than we're gonna spend on everything for the year." Like, well, you asked for my concept. Like, this is it. So, I guess I have to go to NASA. <laughs> well, maybe not now. But um, I think that the superheroes to me are like a gem or a prism, and you see these colors and they're wonderful. You can get lost in them, like you're saying. And I think uh, partly, yeah, it's the, there's the definitely a fan art aspect to it, but I, I recognized a point at the end of the 90s, I think, around 2000, 99, 2000, that I, I got so frustrated with the sales figures I was getting on THB. Me, meanwhile, having friends like Frank Miller, Jeff Smith, who were like making literally millions of dollars, mm -hmm. and like, why isn't this shit hitting? And I just realized, like, I have to conquer superheroes. And I was like, "That's it. I'm I'm gonna infiltrate." <laughs> you know, because because but it, it can't just be. Is it? It can't just be a business. Thing. No, it's not a cold like a uh, reptilian thought. It's more like you know, those of us here, I'm assuming, are true partisans of comics. We're artists. We're people who care about the line, care about the idea, care about the concept. There are a lot of people out there who buy comics who don't think about this stuff. Don't know who Caravaggio is. Don't don't care. Don't know who John Lennon is. Probably. Don't know who Miles Davis is. Those people are important. You have to bring them in. Mm -hmm. And I, th I thought if I can if I can tackle Batman, I can but, probably get another hundred thousand. You know, people. I mean, I love I love your Batman, so I'm not gonna. But you know, you talk so much about your handwriting and the comics, and you're talking about that. And then when in the superhero work, it's it's not your letter anymore. So you yeah, but that's I mean kind of that, like, that's a, that's not a battle you're gonna win because you're you're talking to the production department at Marvel Comics. And they say that because we do so much international sales, uh -huh. we need to do digital uh, lettering. The last guy to do it that I can think of is Steve Rude, and they won't work with him anymore. So, so I'll, can't, I'll, I'll can't take the money from Marvel and do my own stuff. You know? All right. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, a reason that Battling Boys at first second, yeah. and not at DC Comics, not a Marvel Comics. That's one of the reasons. Is there another reason? There are many other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it, but I love my taskmasters. They're very nice. Marvel and DC are great, great clients. <laughs> um, you were really going somewhere interesting with that, uh, talking about the uh, autobiocartoonist. Um, one thing I've really been thinking about a lot is how representational, like Kirby specifically, is with his work being autobiographical without Kirby. being... Like, he put elements of his own life oh, right, right. within okay. his work. Like, it's not yeah. him going, I'm at the drawing board today for 20 hours drawing and sleeping for two hours. Yeah. Um, but it's it's taking parts of where he grew up yeah. and what he's experiencing, yeah. his anxieties, and working it through in his comics. Yeah. And I think that's, that's hmm. something really important for folks. Is that something you're doing with Batman Year 100? Like, are you putting yourself in there? Because do, I do find you put yourself in your comics. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, do you consciously cast yourself... I th no, I don't. I mean, I did in I did in Heavy Liquid. I must admit, but because you use the same character designs across multiple projects. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I've just been busted. Because <laughs> <laughs> I honestly maybe maybe I was giving you too much credit or something. I thought you were doing, I thought you were doing Tezuka because Tezuka would have his characters that he would cast in different parts. So I thought maybe there was like and the like the actors had names. Something. Oh, I, I do think about that actually. I, I do when I when I think about I do think about casting characters in comics, and I do think that I've got certain types, a few like you know characters who appear in my comics, and I do cast them again and again. I love Fellini, I love Jodorowsky. You know, and Jodorowsky casts himself in his own films, uh -huh. and partly because he worked for free. Yeah, Tezuka would put himself in his own comics. Yeah, too. well, then again, he had thousands and thousands of comics pages, so I think <laughs> we can forgive him if he repeats himself. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I mean, you know, when you're, it's two in the morning, you're drawing, and there's a mirror in front of you. You know, there's there's a face you're looking at that, you know. 
Well, I think it's something a lot of cartoons do is they put themselves within the work. And yeah. I mean, it reflects your life. And yeah. Well, I, I would argue that Frank is Jim Woodring. You know, like that's probably how he sees himself. Last night, um, someone at, I heard someone ask uh, Jim if he ever get sick of drawing Frank. He's like, no, I love Frank. Yeah. And, you know, that's the testament to the appeal of his own character and how important that character is. To himself, is. So, yeah. Yeah. So. I love Jim Woodring's work. I think he's so great. Fantastic. I think uh, I think we're all agreed. Good. Um, you mentioned Jodorowsky, and that got me thinking uh, of some of the stuff like that, um, where you're doing these desert escapes, I think, like that. Um, is he kind of a conscious influence as far as like really trying to s jump out of regular narrative? No, that's more Leone actually. Yeah. But I, I like. I'm really obsessively attracted to the idea of a single person on a horizon line. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. There's something about it, so. One thing I'm yeah. curious about is um, your artistic change in time. Change? I'm finding uh, you're jumping more and more into stylistically. Do you feel like you're finding you're more, more of a voice in time? What do you mean? You, your your more recent work is very stylistic, like very stylized, very you know one mm -hmm. of your cars is very where I, I don't find as much as with the earlier stuff. I thought I thought like you had phases like it started and it was like Hugo Pratt, My Woman Era, and then and then it was like nineties manga, and then now you're in the throes of like a Kirby phase. Yeah, kind of. I can't wait for the boys out. Is that uh, is that accurate? Um, I Do you see those phases later? I, I don't know. It's weird because like the the reality, like you know, you think about your paycheck and you think about rent and you know having enough discretionary spending money, mm -hmm. you know this type of stuff. And then you know, actually, even though I'm not self-publishing, I still run a business. And then you've got all this other stuff on the side. You know, like doing work for the New Yorker and GQ, and you know yeah. it. it well, that's that's, a, that's, a, that's the next that's Wait. the next step. Like, grab those people. Like, you got the Batman people. Get the next level. <laughs> well, first of all, isn't it psychotic your influence on New Yorker illustrations? Do you, I mean you must have noticed that? Like, who you know, would have thought? I don't know. I've noticed like that. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that's kind of weird. Like, well, you know, the, the most generous THB, you don't think like, oh, like the P this is going to lead to New Yorker illustrations. <laughs> Not that you would do it, but that, there, but that there, like now there's so many of this kind of. There, kind there of was problems. an artist who will remain nameless, who had a billboard up in Times Square, and I can't tell you how many people came up to me and they're like, oh, great billboard, and I went and I saw it and I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't draw that. <laughs> I, I could have drawn that. I could have done a better job. But I realized, generously, there are more jobs that, than you can possibly take on. So all of those guys are the... They're <laughs> like a the weird way of thinking about they're, it. Well, they're, they're the people they're the, who are like me who will work for less. They're, they're the... <laughs> <laughs> Come along. They're they're the I, think the I think you call that the studio system. They're they're the they're the style yeah, lieutenant. Yeah. What could you at least like have like a Paul Pope approved? That's called friendship. You get a room, get a couple of tables behind you, just toss stuff back to the kids. Well, that's I mean, I mean it's it's flattering you say that, but I I mean look at you know Mobius or Kirby or you know Picasso. I mean, you know that that's who I think about. I think about those guys. So, it's all uh, everything follows each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there is something, um, a, some kind of connection to cartoons that would lead them to be hugely um, like admired versus people who just kind of look at something and say, like, I want to draw like that. I think there's a difference. I think I think there. There's kind of an immediacy in how it looks, how it looks intuitive, how it looks maybe like I can do this. That would make someone do that, you know. I think that's why there's a lot of drawings that are like, like Jeffrey Brown, you know, or or like Matt Brinkman or these cartoonists that other cartoonists can cling to because it looks easy and it looks like it was fun to do, you know. I think, you know, Toth. Like a long time ago, I was corresponding with Alex Tope before he died. And at one point, he told me, he's like, stop drawing with the marker. 
It's actually ironic because I've got the marker with me here. He's like, stop drawing with the marker. Learn how to draw with the brush. Even though he's, he told me one of his biggest regrets is that he started drawing with the marker because generations of younger cartoonists looked at it and said, oh, it looks, must be so easy. But, I mean, that guy had 40 years of cartooning ahead yeah. of him. And I think the thing that people respond to with the brush is it looks alive. It has, there's a weird mystical energy to brush drawings. That's, that's the re I'm in love with brush drawing. That's the reason I do it. You know, but your, pen, your pencils are really tight, though, right? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Can we see what Are you going to publish some of these pencils? Yeah, maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, I, I save them. Because I, I can tell that they're like, because you can tell when people are faking it with like the with brush environments, you can tell when there's some kind of like bullshit little line there. Yeah. But you can, but I look at uh, someone goes into a bar, I can tell that there was a drawing of a chair in perspective yeah. underneath what you inked. And so when people are looking at you and then brushing this thing, you can tell they didn't have that chair underneath. Yeah, that, it's funny you mention that because uh, working on Heavy Liquid, there was a point with uh, Shelley Bond, formerly Shelley, when, when she was my editor, she was Shelley Robert. Um, so I think of her as Shelley Robert. But uh, we had this strange conversation about the, the height of a, a bar stool. And I, I had never considered it. It's like, yeah, you know, when you go into a room, you really, like, if you're if you're composing a room for a, a scene, uh, this is why I think in film terms now, because like, you you're composing a, a scene, you're casting the characters, you know, and you have lighting, and you know, the, all these concerns that you think about dialogue. It has to s remain consistent. And um, one great thing with Jeff Smith is that because he came from animation, he has this sort of. Uh, intuitive understanding of this and um, he would actually make like model sheets for scenes you know like when you have you know grandma Ben's house mm -hmm. or something he'd actually work out the floor plan and like you know how f how far apart are the you know the, the chairs and things like that that's kind of like the Gerhardt technique is it yeah he there's this uh, one service story where service is going through a square and he's like dragging someone with a piss drum and it's uh, he actually created a model this is before they were using computers. I mean, computers were like crazy with that stuff. But he created like a physical model of the square um, mm. to kind of get the angles because Dave Sim would just draw service and then everything else would be Gerhard. And so he's got to figure out looking at the way service is and how that background's going to work. Wow. Commitment. Commitment. Comics are all about commitment, I guess, huh? Commitment? I think it's about obsession. I really embrace my obsessions. I think it's important. Yeah. It's important. No turning back. I mean, the thing you think about that, that won't go out of your mind, that's what you should make art about. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to make sense. One thing I was wondering about uh, is what kind of art inspires you, both of, both of you? Like, what, what is it, do you, what, what have you seen that's kind of grabbed you and go, okay, i got to make some fucking art, like... I had that experience recently with uh, with Black Blizzard, the Tatsumi reprint of, uh, of um, from John and Quarterly, Black Blizzard. I think I mentioned Black Lizard. Black, Black Blizzard. Lizard. He drew it. I, he drew it in like twenty days. This graphic novel. Um, it, it really feels like uh, it made me want to draw some comics right then. I, I kind of like. I had to finish the comic first before I could start drawing, you know? I'm, I'm really inspired by... I like to look at stuff outside... I guess I'm kind of contrarian. I like to look at stuff outside of comics. I loved Cat-Eye Boy. That was probably the last thing I read back to back. I love manga. I mean, Pluto is amazing. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really take a lot of inspiration from music and from film. And that's what I mean, like art. Not art doesn't have to be specifically comics, doesn't have to yeah. be visual. Yeah. I mean, music is art too, right? Yeah. yeah. And it has no, no visual no. component. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're getting, I think we're about 10 to now. Does anyone have any questions? It's so hard to see because I'll back there with the hat. Hi. Um, this is for Dash. Uh, to start with some fire, do you have an amazing imagination? Um, and when I read Body Worlds, I really got the Elaborate backstory and idea of like what the central government of this country is like and stuff like that. 
I had a lot. I had a lot of things that didn't go into the book, um, but I, I. This is kind of the end of this tour, so I've been telling people things that wasn't in the book as I go, as like exclusives to that place. Um, the the most important thing that isn't in the book is that uh, the book follows Polly Panther, um, and so it, it ends when that when that character's story ends, but. Years from then, after the book's finished, um, telepathy would be so widely, uh, it would be all over, all over the world. And then years after that, um, people would start building up barriers to prevent other people from thinking. And so then it would eventually return to how things are right now. Okay. So if everyone had, well, I think if everyone had telepathy at some point, then people would just create ways of not allowing their thoughts to be known to others. I don't know really like I don't know. I don't know if that would work. You know, you know, you know Alfred, Alfred Bester, the sci-fi writer, did that book, The Demolished Man. And, um, uh, no, it's Stars My Desk. No, it's Demolished Man. There's, there's telepathy. The police have telepathy. And the way to prevent telepathic invasion is to have a, a, a horrible song go through your head. Like Lady Gaga, because <laughs> <laughs> of the fence. But yeah, other things about the school, the design of the school. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> well, that's cool. Thanks. <laughs> and that, that's interesting. Paul. Like a Wiki Wikipedia site. Yeah, Dashpedia. Dash Dashpedia, I like it. For, with your stuff, like with THB, do you have a bigger THB universe in mind? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to me, it's like when I think about um, making uh, comics, I like setting it on this alternate Earth, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I feel Mars. like, I feel like <laughs> when Mars has a on board, you want to go somewhere, you know, and you want to yeah. know what that place is like. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you want to but go don't to you want to go to different places? Like right now, like THB is forever. Don't you like? Aren't you kind of like screw THB? I want to go to like a, a jungle land or something. No, no. I mean, uh, I, 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 I can't so, wait to finish it. I mean, I, I want to, but um, it's. I like drawing big landscapes like that and that kind of view. And there's a bunch of stuff in THB that hasn't been published yet, but has to do with like writing music and uh, graphically depicting. Uh, sounds, mm -hmm. dissonant sounds and harmonious sounds, and you know, like that kind of thing. And like that's like a whole subplot that's like you know, it's coming out. That's kind of you've been interested in John Cage, right? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of that's the closest I could think that would yeah. be Coltrane is what I was thinking of. But yeah, I, I want to return to something that you said earlier. Why 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 is it important to you that you have a lot of fans and get these people from different worlds? Because it's important to get your idea out to the widest possible audience in the best possible way. Okay. <laughs> well, I got introduced to Paul Pope due to Batman. So, like, and after that, I started to read more independent comics. And my opinion about art is better. Good. Good. You're doing the right thing. <laughs> are you going to collect THP ever? Yeah, we've got to deal with uh, first, second. That's excellent. Because I've got how many issues went out, like, I know it's really horrible. See it's that book? Are the oversized? It's gonna be like, gonna get yeah, this is the first second one should just look like this, like just it's a bound issue. Uh, Robin binds his comics. I'm a nerd. Wow, nerd. that's incredible. <laughs> you should just send that to first second. Say, well, like I mean, the, wow, dude, this is amazing. The the thing is, <laughs> you should have gold, gold here, so it's really like a Bible. <laughs> I know, I know some cartoonists that would probably treat it like a Bible. Well, I, I, uh, you know, for the longest time, Mazzucchelli was talking about this mysterious project he's working on. And I think it took him 10 years to get it done, right? Mm -hmm. And I had dinner with him a he couple of years. He all in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that term, uh, dissertationitis, right? Like, you, you have dissertationitis. You, you know, procrastinate. There's so many things I have to do. I have to move this over here. i got to move this over here. All these things you have to do before you get it done, and I mean, ultimately, the deadline is the is the final inspiration. Yeah, it's true. But um, I didn't believe that Mazzucchelli would ever put out this book, and lo and behold, here it comes. 
And so that's how it's going to be. And I, the thing, one thing I've known in my many years of self-publishing and um, working in uh, commercial art is that once it's out, people don't tend to focus in the long term on how long it took for it to get out. They focus on what it is because there's so much else bombarding you that. Well, you know, I wasn't as in hope when you started doing the Vertigo stuff, but then you put out the Mars is Mightiest Mac and then the, the Ad House book. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's coming still. It's coming. You got a right there. Yeah. Uh, Sir Paul, uh, I hear your name a lot in uh, relation to uh, Andy Warhol. Uh, you that comparison a lot. He's my uncle. The whole comics <laughs> yeah. uh, label early on. Um, yeah. I mean, War Warhol could draw, and he did a lot of commercial work, like Ridley Scott worked in commercial before he got into fine art. Um, I respect him. I wouldn't say that pop art is the um, the end of art. I wouldn't I wouldn't put him on a shrine that you couldn't knock over, if you know what I mean. He contributed, which is the best thing you can do as an artist. So when you hear your name in relation to Warhol. I don't know. You hear a lot of things. I don't I think that's <laughs> funny. I've, I've never, I, I never really made that kind of connection personally. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I mean, if you look at like the dartboard, I mean, like you know, Warhol, Picasso, you know, John Lennon, those guys, like that's those are the those are big bullseyes. So, you know, a lot of people fall into that Venn diagram. So you don't take it too seriously. No. You Although I have been in one of his old studios. You don't have the factory space with uh, twenty drives. I, I love that. That I mean, talk about romance. Like to me, that's like that's like the romance of art. It's like you know, I, mean, I, I wish Manhattan was that still. It's just not now. <laughs> and that's a, that's a really fascinating thing, at least about Warhol, is that he really created an artistic environment, a completely dynamic artistic environment. Collaborative. Yeah, and that's got to be a real challenge for both of these cartoonists. I mean, you're cartoonists. You're in a room with a drawing board. How do you how do you collaborate? How do you kind of? I do. I'm working on a long animation right now, so it requires a lot of collaboration. And so I work on the animation when I want to have to talk to other people, and then when I don't want to talk to other people, I work on the comic, and it's a good way of breaking up my time. I think I'm I'm I feel like I'm inherently um, antisocial, and I'm um, very in. Uh, Interior, if you know what I mean. So I'm I'm comfortable sitting alone in a room for twelve hours. I think it's time. a precondition to to cartooning. Yeah. Nice too. Yeah. Um, I think we're pretty much near. Yeah, I'm getting the oh, circle. Yeah. <laughs> one more question. Um, or is that it? Is one three? It's only been fifty-five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, what kind of music do you listen to when you're creating? I got it. <laughs> I like to listen to music without narrative and um, kind of formless. I like uh, Eno. I like a lot of classical composers. I love Stravinsky. Uh, I listen to um, uh, like really dorky Japanese electronic music in the seventies, like Tomita or. Uh, well, Kataro is, uh, yeah, Kataro is Japanese, yeah. I listen to him as well. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, just different things, things my friends send me, or NPR or something. You know, it's, I don't, it's not one kind of thing. Or maybe the Ink Studs? Ink Studs podcast. Dot <laughs> 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 com. I'll be, uh, come see me, I've got free uh, DVDs of all the shows, three hundred shows. Just Self-promoting, sorry. Um, <laughs> thank you both for uh, chatting with me. Good. And uh, thank you. <laughs>